Episode 27, season 12. It's been another... Um, <laughs> season 12? I don't know. That's very cute. It's been another month plus gap between shows, which means we're officially fired. Whatever. Sorry. Uh, you're listening to The Needle and the Mouse, the intersection of spending money and making money. <laughs> That's cute. Fashion tech stuff. Uh, yeah. What's your name again? Dan Frommer. I live in this house with you. Oh, really? Lauren Sherman. And today we're going to talk about Apple Pay because it's something yeah. that we've both been using on our new iPhones. Yeah, it's fun. How do you like it? I like it. It. You know what's weird? I know how easy it is, but it took me a couple tries, especially using it in the cab, to get used to the fact that you literally, you just put it up to, what is that thing called? The thing that can The uh, contactless reader? Yeah, the contactless reader. You just put it up to it, and then you it, it prompts it. For a while, I was like going into passbook. Yeah. You don't need to do that. No, you don't need to. So once... I, I uh, thought you did, and I was like, this is not very... This is too cumbersome. Yeah. And then I, someone corrected me and I realized, oh, shit, you don't yeah. have to do that at all. All you have to do is stick your phone in the general vicinity of that little scanny thing. And it really works. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, now I like, I like it. Because especially in a cab, you don't really want to take your card out. The, I'd say right. that's the, really the only time when the cab is it, actually, it's actually really, really helpful. Right, because you most likely already have your phone out. Yeah. And because you're sitting on your butt, at least for me, taking your wallet out requires like actual shifting around. Yeah, I mean, it, that's not an issue for me, but because I'm kind of a um, scatterbrained person and, you know, I've definitely like left cards in the cab and stuff. Well, also, and- your cards are somewhat like you have a fairly complicated system. Yeah. As to where you're different cards are in your purse yeah so um yeah have you used it in a store yeah i used it at um cvs not cvs no you didn't (laughs) (laughs) i actually went in there the first day before the whole thing about them banning it they had no idea what i was talking about so then i went to Dwayne reed and used. i went into cvs i had a big shopping cart of like 30 things and i went to the self-checkout and i scanned them all and i tried to pay with apple pay and it didn't work so I said, fuck it. And I left all, all this stuff sitting on the register and just left. What? 30 things? No, I'm just kidding. Like, None of that actually happen. happened. That's my dream, though. <laughs> it's to just be like, I'm out. No Apple Pay. I'm out. I don't know what you have 30, 30 items you'd buy at CVS. Uh, 28 at different uh, bottles of travel-sized whatever. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I've been using it at Whole Foods, and it's great. Although you still have to sign mm. some places, which doesn't make sense because there's literally nothing for them to compare your signature to. Yeah. So it's not like you have to sign the back of your phone. <laughs> and it's not like the whole point is that it's not connected to your card. You know, the weird thing that happened to me yesterday, though, I think you're the one who realized this was... If you're going, if you're using Uber, but you're using Uber Taxi, Uber T, which I think only exists in New York the way it exists in New York. It's I like think it might. Specific to New York. There might be Uber T other places, but in New York, it's like a city-run cab service. Um, 
or city regulated, maybe not city run those green cabs, but it won't let you use Apple Pay as your like. Yeah, I don't know what that's about. Because you're not even paying Uber anyway, so yeah. why does it matter what the like default card is? Uh, don't they charge strange. you if you flake out or something like that? Oh, do they? I'm not really sure. Maybe that is what it is, but it still doesn't make sense because if they did charge, they could still charge your Apple Pay, right? Maybe not automatically. I don't know. It's interesting. Maybe not. Maybe you're not allowed to access Apple Pay unless you are charging someone something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I like it. It's it's fun and, and interesting to use. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, I would really like it to be... Have you used it in the app? I haven't done that yeah. yet. But that's like the whole point where people are like, oh, because it's so, it is a pain in the ass to, if you're trying to shop on your phone, it's a pain in the ass to try to like punch in your credit card info. Yeah, it's really helpful on, on the phone. Um, I also just think if it was, if every single place took it, I would love it because then I wouldn't have to bring all those cards around. Yeah. It's going to be a while. Although there's um, – next year they're going to switch to the chip and pin stuff. Yeah. So every place is going to have to redo their little cash register anyway. So a lot of them will get them, you think? I mean, we'll get if the they were smart, they would. Because they don't – it's not like they have to do something special for Apple. They just have to get any credit card reader that can handle wireless payments, which a lot of them do. Yeah. I bet a lot of places will get it. What about people who use Square? Do you think it would be easy for them? Supposedly Square is working on something like that. But Square, I don't know. Square is confusing. Square is trying to be too many things. Hmm. But like initially, well, not initially, but one of Square's various things that it has done over the years was trying to compete with eventually some sort of Apple Pay type thing. Oh, uh, but I think they turned that off. Square wallet or something. Mm. Card case, wallet, I don't remember. So, maybe not. I The thing about Square that I like is that they've made credit cards possible for all these really small upstarts, these small stores and stuff, or, or you go to a... You go to a market and you can pay with a credit card now. Or you go to a coffee yeah. shop, you can pay with a credit card really easily. That's what seems to be the consumer value in Square. Yeah. And also good for the 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 um small stores, you know, the small store owners, shop owners. I feel like um you know, you might not buy a bag of $12 bag of coffee beans if you don't if you have to pay cash, right, but yeah, if I'm not you pay cash for that. Yeah, but if you have a card, you're you're like, eh. I'll yeah. spend 18 bucks instead of four. Yep. So Apple Pay would not really help there that much. Although it's a little easier and slightly more secure. But the whole point is that like with the chip and pin stuff, the even the waiter is not allowed to take your phone, your card from you anymore. That It's going to be like Europe where they bring the little thing to you. So Why are they finally doing that? I don't actually know the real reason. But I guess because it's more secure and all these huge credit card um, harvesting operations keep getting happening, like all the hackings and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it would be 
would make it harder for those numbers to be used without the pins. Hmm. But I don't know. Because the whole signature matching thing is baloney. How long do you think it's going to take for that to be implemented? Do you think it'll happen like when it, what year is this supposedly happening? It's supposed to happen next year. So is it going to be like Jan 1 or, or February 1 we go to a restaurant and they're all going to have them? Or mm, I don't know. Do you think it's going to take question. a few years? I mean, we, for no it one to be has sent us new cards yet or even warned us that that's going to happen. So Yeah. Well, I, I did get. That new Amex I got has a has a chip, but it doesn't have a pin. No, not yet. And I but... think that that whole other thing. I think the pin. I don't really know. Do you get? To they might have to send you pin? another new card. Yeah, I think you have. To, you definitely get to choose your pin, but I don't really know. Hmm, okay. We're gonna find out. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, all right. Make going to Europe easier. Yes, one would hope that the systems will be inner compatible. Yeah, they may not be right. I mean, they should be, but knowing the bank system and how stupid all those companies are, yeah, I would I would guess that they would be compatible, but you never know. Although there's one bank I think that does chip and pin credit cards already here, but it's like. Barclays or something. Mm. Cool. Ooh. Oh, so the other thing about our new iPhones that we were wanted to talk a little about was the overseas roaming because we switched over to T-Mobile as part of our buying new phones experience. Yeah, so many people have asked me if if they should do that. Yeah, and the cool so T-Mobile um, for our international listeners. <laughs> T-Mobile is owned by the German telecom conglomerate, also called T-Mobile. Deutsche oh, Telekom. Oh, really? Yep. Mm. And for a while, they were just like the shitty number four cell phone company in America. Mm-hmm. And I've used them twice before. Yeah, I don't, I've never used them. Once because they were the first carrier to get the Sony T68i. Obviously, yeah. Which was the first little tiny Sony Ericsson candy bar phone that had Bluetooth that you could mm. use to sync to the Mac. And I think Apple even like showed it off once oh, cool. in like either a keynote or a commercial or something. What what could you sync? Like your contacts uh, or something? Yep. Yeah. Cool. Didn't work that great, but it was, you know, it was kind of cool. This was before they had a camera. The next Sony Ericsson phone I had had a camera. Mm-hmm. And that I, the fir- I had two of them. The first one I got from AT&T. The second one I got from T-Mobile because they had a coupon, they had a rebate on Amazon where mm-hmm. if you buy the phone and switch to T-Mobile, they'll send you like the phone maybe cost a hundred dollars or something, and then they sent you like a three hundred dollar rebate. Wow! So they literally paid you to switch to T-Mobile. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're so always that was finding cool. those deals. You're really good at. Sniffing out the deals, aren't you? That's what I'm... Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was also fun because I, di- I like activated my new phone on Thanksgiving and they the rep was bored. It was like 2 in the morning, mm-hmm. so we found a really cool phone number for me. Oh, cool. So for many years, I had 312 WAC Dome. Cool. 927 Dome. Very cool. 927-3663. That's my old phone number. When you moved I wonder to who New- has it. When you moved to New York, why did you get a new phone number? 
because fucking Sprint made me change it. Oh, really? Yeah, they were like, oh, sorry, uh, we gave you this number, and if you switch it, if you try to switch it now to your old Chicago number, we're going to charge, we're not going to let you oh, do wow. your rebate or something stupid like that. That's really interesting. So I'll never, ever give Sprint another dollar again. Because they that's screwed really me out of my great Chicago number. Although now I've had my New York number for longer than I had that Chicago number. Yeah, it's just like, I don't remember what my Boston number was, but I moved away for a couple of years, so it didn't matter as much. You know, when One I moved day, back to the States from abroad, like I wanted to start a new number, but I don't even remember what my number was for my old phone. One day we're going to go on eBay and buy expensive two-on-two numbers. Okay. We'll do that to celebrate something. All right. Won't that be funny? Uh-huh. And no one will have our number. Yeah. Anyway, so T-Mobile. So the other thing about T-Mobile. So T-Mobile has, has first T-Mobile was going to be bought by AT&T, but then the government said no, which at the time I thought was dumb, but now it makes sense. Yeah. Um, because of what's happened since then, basically this, this crazy guy became the CEO of T-Mobile. Uh-huh. John Legere. Yeah. And he's like... One of these guys going through a midlife crisis, uh-huh. so he like wears magenta T-shirts and acts all crazy and pretends to be a rock star. Is he French? No, he's got a French name. Is he French Canadian? I don't know. I'm not gonna look it up. Okay. Anyway, his whole thing has been to attempt "quote unquote" disruption in the market. Uh huh. Some of it is bullshit, like these plans where you upgrade upgrade your phone twice a year and then basically just build up this debt so you're paying them a lot of money for these phones that you no longer have. Uh-huh. And sorry, I just hit the mic. Why would you want to upgrade your phone twice a year? Cuz it's cool to have a new phone. I don't I don't know what that means. I don't either. Uh other other stuff about T-Mobile. Yeah. <laughs> Is that they have free international data roaming? Yes, that's which interesting. Is but isn't it also aren't we saving like an absurd amount of money? In Not theory, really. well, Cause that's what I keep telling people that we're saving like a thousand bucks a year. But I guess also we're on a family plan, so it would be different if you were an individual, right? I think we're going to wind up over the course of two years saving about a thousand bucks. Over the course of two years. But that doesn't include the data roaming, which is what we're going to talk which about is, now. Which yeah. Because so. the data roaming, because on Verizon, we used to sp- even And Verizon's is not like a total ripoff. It's like 25 bucks for 100 megs. Yeah. Well, can I just say that when I first started going to Europe for work, for so you go for 10 days and you have to, I have to be checking my email. And this was, I think I started going there before Instagram or like when, yeah, long before Instagram. But I still needed tweet and post to Facebook and stuff. And it was like 600 bucks every time I would go. And it was just something that the company I was going for paid for because it was, it was what it was. Like they wanted me to be on my phone. So they had to pay for it. And I tried to be off, you know, shut off data as much as possible, but it was just, yeah, with AT&T, really especially, which we used to have, it was really like unreasonable. And then every time it got cheaper and cheaper. Yeah, and it, it's been getting cheaper. Like Verizon's was a decent deal. But we would still sometimes spend like 150 bucks each on a trip. Yeah. Or more. 
And, and then the one time you went to Asia and you had to send an email in Dubai that cost $100 by itself. Yeah. Because Dubai is that. not on the uh, roaming plan. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Uh, but T-Mobile's free unlimited international data roaming. With the only caveat being that it's slow. Like they cap it at really slow speed, which makes it... Are they going to get sued the way... Didn't some other mobile company get sued for capping? Saying AT&T had... recently got sued. Yeah. Now that's different. Okay. Why is it different? Because AT&T... They, they is... didn't disclose that? Mm, they were never promised. AT and T was saying the thing is, is that these were people who used to get unlimited on AT and T, and then later on, AT and T said after a certain amount of usage, we're going to slow it down for you. Okay. But when people signed up for that plan, that wasn't part of it, so they okay. added that caveat afterwards. Whereas T Mobile has always been upfront; they say free international data roaming at very slow speeds. And then if you want faster speeds, you can pay more for it. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that cheap. Like, I think it's, I think it's like 50 bucks for 500 megs or something yeah. just which to make it faster, bad. which is not horrible. But like we used to get, we used to have our, our, the other thing about our Verizon phones is that they're unlocked. They were unlocked. So we would go to Orange in Paris and get a SIM card and then top up. Yeah. And that was super cheap. But with T-Mobile, it's free, and it's, it's too slow for a lot. Like, you couldn't do a VoIP call. On, you couldn't do, like, a Skype call on it, and you certainly couldn't stream a YouTube video. But for checking your email and using Google Maps and Twitter and eh, kind of Instagram, it's great. Like, it's awesome. We both used over a gigabyte, which would have cost us, like, a lot. It would have cost us, uh, like, 250 bucks each. At Verizon, or more, so it yeah. was great. It was fine. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't debilitating, which was what I was fearful of. That I was, it was annoying with Instagram stuff. But um, the other thing is, I feel like in Europe, so many places have Wi-Fi at cafes and right. stuff that it's. Is a lot, and sometimes, but I also think that's just the service. Like there are so many different mobile companies there that whichever service you get, some of them are really good and some of them are bad with Google Maps. Yeah. Um, well, but, that, that was the thing about Orange is that it was so bad anyway, even when we were normal customers with our yeah. SIM card, that the T-Mobile, even though it was artificially slowed down, it was barely worse than the normal Orange. Yeah. Like, they're just sometimes you get out of, I feel like there's a subway stop, um, a metro stop in Paris by, um, like, Avenue Franklin um, D. Roosevelt. I don't know how they say it in, in France. Franklin D. Roosevelt? I have no idea. But over there, and you get out, and there's just, the maps just don't work there. Hmm. It's really weird. Um could just and be a bad been, cell and site. And I've noticed that every time I've gone because I there there's a lot of shows over there and I'll get out and you know I never remember which way. I think I really got it this time, but 
you get out and you want to look on the map to see where you go next and it never works there. So yeah, that wasn't, yeah, it was very impressive. It was nice that we had it when we were on vacation too. Yeah. And that was the other thing we were switching countries and we didn't have to keep getting new SIM cards and that kind of stuff. Although that's fun for me, but yeah, but that's like half a day sometimes. Well, no, it's like an hour or two. It takes a, a long time. No. Yeah, sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it would have been annoying if we had to do it three times. It would have been really annoying if we had to do it in Portugal, which I don't even know if that would have been possible. Like. <laughs> All right. And now Lauren and Lauren wants to talk about Twitter brands. Hashtag brands. <laughs> Why? Engaging with brands on Twitter. Why are you mocking me? Well... To a certain audience, that's a funny topic. Why? Because it is something that we do yet should not be spoken about. No, I'm just curious what here's, – here's what I've noticed about brands and publications and blah, 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 blah on Twitter. When Twitter first became a thing, like probably two years after it actually launched – when, like, normal yeah, people right. started using 2008, it. 2009. All the publications got on Twitter. Wait, what year did Twitter launch? I think early 2006. And when did you get on Twitter, though? Late Not, 2007. Yeah, so I'd say 2009 was when people really started to go on there and publications started to I really... I think the Oprah day was April 16th, 2009. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. My birthday. So... I don't know if that's true, though. So, initially, everyone was just chatting on Twitter. It was just a place where people were talking. I mean, they were linking to stories that that their publications ran, but it was more about, like, making friends with people. And I, I think, you know, in the fashion world, there's a group of probably, like, 15 brands slash personalities that kind of, be like, rose to the top of that, and they were early adapters and they well early for that industry and they it was a it was a conversation so April 17th 2009 okay so it was a conversation people were chatting it was what like are some of these well like um Aliza Licht who is the um head of PR she's like the inner VP international VP of international public relations or something like that it um, Donna Karen, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, Erica Behrman from Oscar De La Renta. They both go by Oscar PR Girl, DKNY PR Girl. Um, mm. A lot. And the other thing was that some of these people were anonymous to start, which is yeah. interesting. But they were but showing up as people, yeah, and not as and they like the still do that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they were. It, it was official. I mean, they got permission from their companies oh, okay. to do it, but it just was much more personality driven and. Um, People like Mickey Boardman. He's the um, um, he's the editorial director at Paper Magazine. Which, if anyone lives outside of New York, it's like a downtown New York arts and fashion hmm. and culture. You met him at the APC presentation in Paris. Oh yeah, he's really nice. Cool. Um, but they all kind of just started chatting and became um, all became friends, and it became this conversation. And, and most of them are still pretty active on. Um, on Twitter, some of them are more, they, you know, brands really like Instagram cause it's super visual. So a lot of brands focus more on that. Um, but 
something happened, and there were publications that were like that too. Kate Spade was really good at that to start, but um, and they're still pretty good at it. They they spend a lot more time on Instagram though. Um, but it was a conversation like everyone was always chatting, mm-hmm. and it was at that time most people didn't have social media managers, and I think what has happened is they've hired social media managers who have to kind of control and schedule posts for you know 11 different platforms yeah and so and it also became we need to drive traffic from these things you can't drive traffic you're gonna hire all these people they actually have to do drive traffic from facebook and twitter and and facebook obviously drives more traffic but twitter it just became this like now most of most publications i think just tweet story headlines and they don't, and they make them really clickbaity. So it's like you never will believe which celebrity just shaved her legs. <laughs> Click through, you know, and you know what I mean. And that has changed. But I also noticed. So I don't follow a lot of brands, um, especially brands that don't have a personality behind their Twitter. And I'm a very like I lo- I really like Twitter. I go on there the most out of any of the platforms. I never go on Facebook. I'm not. I go on Instagram, but it's Twitter's the one I really like to yeah, talk to too. people. I just think it's fun and entertaining. I get all my news from there. Um, but I also... Should we have gone as Twitter clients for Halloween? Or yeah. is that not, not yeah, cool I, anymore? No. Um, so to get to my point, the other day I, I've been following more people because I'm getting more interesting. And I don't know if this is because I just follow everyone in my direct circle, but I'm getting more interesting. You should follow, um, suggestions Hmm. like who to follow. Um, so I started following more and, you know, once you follow one kind of, like if you follow a luxury brand, all of a sudden it says to follow all the other luxury brands. Right. So I followed a luxury brand because I was like, uh, I think they started following me and I was like, Oh, they're following me. Maybe I should follow them. Um, and so I started following, like five really high-end luxury brands. And all it is is posts to celebs wearing their stuff and posts to, like, images, either if they don't do e-commerce, images of product, if they do do e-commerce, links to e-commerce. And I just was like, I don't want to see this stuff. I follow some brands on Instagram because I want to see stuff, but... Uh, Maybe it's also because I'm getting press releases constantly from these people saying who's wearing what. But I just – there's no personality to it whatsoever. There's Hmm. nothing – you know, there's – it's not engaging. It really isn't. It's boring. Yeah, it's super boring. What should they do? Well, I don't know. But I think personality is something – like – Rodarte has a really great Instagram on Twitter because I think that it may actually just be the women who design that line, their sisters. I think it they do a lot of it. I, yeah. They may also have someone that they hired, but whoever it is, it's it's a lot of photos of them with their friends and their friends with a lot of cool people. They also post a lot of old editorials featuring their stuff. And hmm. as someone who really likes fashion and likes to look at editorials. I am so much more into that than seeing yeah, a product cool. shot. Um, yeah, because there's so I mean, especially a brand like that, 
they're in so many indie magazines that I'm never going to see because they all cost 30 bucks and you can't buy every single one. So they'll show. Although we'll try. Yeah. I mean, it looks like we buy every single one if you look at our coffee table, but you know, they'll show, um, one look from self-service from like 2008 or something. They'll go far back in the archives and it just feels like some, a real human is doing it. Um, but most of them, it doesn't. And I just think the whole point of those brands... Now, Hermes is not on Twitter. They are, they did just start on Instagram, and I think they're doing a good job. But they shouldn't be on Instagram. because They shouldn't be on Twitter. Because they're, you know, they're not supposed to be accessible. I think it's smart for them to be on Instagram and post occasionally. But I just think the brands that are on Twitter and that are supposed to be accessible brands, whether or not you're... Like your stuff costs a ton of money or it costs a little bit of money or a lot or in the middle. You should be having a conversation with someone on there. Right. It doesn't have to be your the fans. It doesn't have to be it should it could be, you know, influencers and putting quotes in there or, you know, just interesting people, but or just like commentary. There's just no real voice behind a lot of them. And so I unfollowed all these luxury brands because I was just like, I can't yeah. deal with this shit. It's just... Well, and they're... It's hard. I would imagine it's a little challenging for them because they're also, like, trying to maintain this air of perfectionism. Well, and then maybe they shouldn't be on there. inhuman. You know? Yeah, maybe they shouldn't. And like, that... it's interesting what Apple does, which is that Apple still does not have a main Apple brand account on Twitter. Yeah. But they have an app store account they have an ibooks account and they have i think itunes and each of those has developed kind of a personality like ibooks does q and a's with authors yeah that are cool. i mean they're kind of lame but yeah. app store promotes apps that are coming out so like those are types you know and i'm sure itunes promotes like movies and uh TV crap, whatever. Yeah, I think it should be Music. super useful or super entertaining. So those are like, yeah, or, or yeah, so super useful. So like another, I don't follow any um, news brands. Like I don't follow any, I don't even, I don't follow like New York Times or TechCrunch or anything like that. I mean, I follow Quartz because I work there. QZ, check it out. And I follow like Japanese and French publications just because it, looks funny to all of a sudden have a French headline in my feed and figure out what it says. Uh, But I don't follow like TechCrunch or anything like that. But I follow American Airlines because it's great to be able to DM them if I have a question. And then as like they've been getting new planes, they've been posting photos of them. And, you know, sometimes they have contests and that kind of stuff. So that's been interesting. But that would be hard for like Apple to pull off, I think. or Uh, Yeah, and I... Hermes. I think, well, I think like a fashion brand, they have a lot of product. It it just makes, if you want to post photos of product, you would do that on Instagram. You wouldn't really do it. It's not news the way, you know. And I also think, what is the the, um, male to female ratio of Twitter? I don't know. Because I would assume more men are on Twitter. And No idea. Maybe. I'm Probably. very curious about that. But I would think, like, I don't know. I think that that might have something to do with it, too. But it's just not a place where 
it's not it's not a place where people are shopping for new handbags or or whatever. Maybe it will be in five years, but right now it's not. And the fact that a lot of these brands are just not making any effort to be fun on there and use it other than to tweet links to photos of celebrities wearing their stuff doesn't make sense to me. Whoa. Here's um, academic research called Understanding the Demographics of Twitter Users. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here we go. Oh, so Twitter doesn't actually let you say if you're male or female. Mm-hmm. So these people were using They're first guessing. names as a way to check. Mm-hmm. And they found that 72% of the users they found a name match for had a male name. So, oh, so there was a name match for 64% of users and 80%, or sorry, 72% of those had a male name. So, yeah, there's a lot of dudes on Twitter. Yeah, it just feels like, I don't know. I mean, there's also a lot of women, but. Well, would you prefer to follow American Airlines to see those photos or because you're more on, um. Do you know what I mean? Like it just yeah, that's fine. It, I mean, they have they have photos that no one else has because they're in the yeah. In yeah, the shop. I just found it as a shopper and someone who is interested in those brands. I just found a lot of the um, accounts off putting and decided to yeah, I, like oh, so seamless. So I can't stand following seamless. Well, they, they're just they so chatty, so much. It's just really annoying. But every time I order from seamless. The first thing I do before I place an order is look on their Twitter to mm-hmm. see if they've posted any coupon codes. Deals. And sure enough, last time I saved like five bucks because they posted a coupon that day. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, it's smart. But the brand personality itself is so annoying that I don't follow. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess most of these companies are like, Twitter doesn't drive a lot of sales, so why should we bother investing time in it? Cause, right. Because making a Twitter entertaining and useful and fun and that people actually like is really hard. Yeah, and they're having trouble with that. But here's the here now here's the question: yeah. Is that Twitter hired the CEO of Ticketmaster? Yes. Over a year ago, to build a shopping function so that you could yeah. tweet something and there would be a big ass "Buy this button." Yeah. And people would buy it. Is that then? More uh, useful for someone like, probably not Hermes, but more of like a brand that sells shit? Yeah, I mean, I think they probably think it is. Eddie Bauer? I don't know if people will shop from there. That's the, ooh, who is, um... Text message. Who's texting me? That's nice. Um, Yeah, so I feel like... I don't know. Are people, do people want to shop from there? It's the same question of two people actually want to shop from Instagram. You know? In theory, I could say yes, but I actually can't think of anything that I've ever seen on Twitter that I would want to buy. No. Immediately. Well, I mean, it's like I, I shop a lot from our friends who run 
of a kind, Claire and Erica. I shop a lot from their newsletter because they 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 have this newsletter at the beginning of every week called Ten Things, and they I'm sure we've talked about it on here before, but they each of them has five things that they are into, and a lot of times it's like a vegetable slicer or a new soap or whatever, and I buy a lot of that stuff that hmm. they recommend. So if, if they were tweeting that kind of stuff on yeah, that might Twitter, work. I might be into it. But it is also a different – it's so instant that even someone who's a really quick shopper, it would take a lot to – Oh, I, I really – you have to like evaluate in your head whether you need something. You need right. like a few Yeah, a and minute, I follow maybe. so many Twitter accounts and they're constantly zooming past Yeah. that even for an impulse purchaser like me, who by the way, I almost impulse purchased impulsepurchase.com. Oh, you should have. I know, and now someone else has it. If I go running today, am I going to run into marathon people? Depends where you go. Where are they around here? No. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, we're going to keep an eye out on this Twitter shopping virus. Yeah. It's not actually a virus. Um, all right. Closing thoughts. We're going to be well, gone for a couple weekends. We were going to so. talk about other things. Oh. Cashmere sweaters. Oh, yeah. Let's quickly talk about cashmere sweaters. So I think we found your wardrobe. Um, oh, yeah. My post-lumberjack look. Yeah. I've just been wearing uh, cashmere normal sweaters. clothes. Yeah, I have a couple of sweaters. I was going to really? buy a cheap one from Uniqlo, but they seem not that They're great. They're really bad. So this is what I want to talk about. So I am also, I feel like knitwear for the last few years, that the knitwear business is booming. I hear this from designers all the time. They're like, oh, our knitwear business, it's because it's very high margin. Hmm. So you can charge a lot and make it for not not a lot. Um not all not all knitwear is high margin. Depends if it's handmade. It's not it's not gonna be it's gonna be pretty low margin. But hmm. it, in general, it's a huge business for a lot of designers and it's gotten bigger. I don't know I think I'm sure the polar vortex last fall had something to do with it, but I also think last winter, um I also think people are just it's just are into it knits right now. Yeah. So I have been buying a lot of knitwear for the last couple of years. And this year, I wanted to buy a couple of cashmere sweaters, and I went to Uniqlo because I was like, oh, I'll just buy... Right, on sale, $80. $80, I'll buy like three, mm-hmm. and that's as much as one J. Crew cashmere sweater costs. And I get there, and I feel them, and they were disgusting. Hmm. They felt like rough, and they felt worse than wool. It was like, I should just buy the merino wool. It's probably nicer, more nicely made. Interesting. Do you think it's the sourcing of the cashmere, or do you think it's just know. like cashmere with a K? I don't know what cashmere. it is. Cashmere. I mean, I'm sure it has something to do with the like the way they knit it, like the machines they use to to knit it. I'm hmm. sure it has to do with the quality, but I don't I don't know enough about cashmere to say. Obviously, there's different levels of quality of cashmere, right? But. J. Cruz is really good because they use the same cashmere mills as Laura Piana, which is a really fancy Italian luxury brand that's actually owned by, I think, LVMH now. Hmm. Um, they bought them like a year or two ago. Um, but they use the same mill, but they buy in such huge bulk quantities that they can c- charge a lot less than they. So like an $800 cashmere sweater from Laura Piana 
It's probably like two fifty from J Crew. Eight hundred dollars from Laura Piano. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I don't. It's very interesting hmm. that that and it's weird. It's so much about branding because the only reason someone would bother. If you feel the Uniqlo cashmere and you feel the Uniqlo merino wool, I bet that the merino wool is a little bit nicer hmm. in terms of quality. I don't know. I'll have, check, I'll have to do this, this sample test. Yeah. I'm going to Tokyo next weekend, so maybe I'll do it in the the Ginza flagship. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's weird and interesting, but I feel like... Oops. Yeah, it, I whacked the mic. We should look into like the cashmere business and see what's right, we're gonna do some research yeah well it's the same as like those down jackets which are a lot cheaper there than at patagonia because they use a duck down with feather mix which is not anywhere near as uh insulating or luxurious as straight up 800 fill goose down yeah so well, i guess or whatever they use 750 700 if you're, 800 if you don't want to spend them a lot of money on clothes. Right. Yeah. It's like a hundred bucks difference or more. Yeah. It's interesting though. Why do you think you're so into sweaters? Uh, I wasn't before. Well, that's not true. I used to be, but I used to like the scratchy kind. Mm-hmm. For years, my dream sweater was a charcoal gray V-neck. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for it for a long time and I finally found one that I really liked. At Old Navy of all places. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure that it was probably like a wool polyester blend of some sort. Uh huh. Did you but buy it? But it was great. Hell yeah. I wore it for many years. It's cute. Uh, then I got another one somewhere else. Mm. I forgot. But I had a few of them. Cool. But oh, I think the moths got them. Uh. My mom used to send me these cashmere sweaters that were just not really what I liked. Uh, but then I got one last December when we flew to Japan and it was very warm and comfortable. Yeah. So I got another one this year and now I have two. They're nice. You have a little cashmere sweater wardrobe. Yeah. Well, it's also my first crew neck sweaters Mm because I always used to go V neck, which I thought would look better with a shirt under them, but it turns out that crew neck also look good yeah i like the crew neck well we should also investigate the technology of sweater making yeah let's do it man if knits are going to be a big deal with the global warming actual global cooling polar vortex yeah there's probably some technology being done there yeah has the price of wool gone up i don't know i need to look that up i should have researched that before we discussed it yeah that'd be a good story yeah boom get that chart going all right, now we're way over our time limit. Well, we're not going to be around again for a couple weeks. Yeah, this weeks. is all you're getting until maybe December. No, we'll probably do – we have a, an annual tradition to do one on Black Friday, right? Oh, yeah. So we should do that again. Let's do it when it's not like we're going to be out shopping. Um, maybe, we should, maybe we should go to Walmart. Should we, should we do a live taping from – is there a Walmart in the New York um, City It's area? probably one in the suburbs or New Jersey. Yeah, man, you get an Uber, us. take us to Jersey. And Janet could take us. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, this has been another exciting edition. <laughs> uh, if you have questions that you'd like us to address on future shows, 
You can email us at hello at the needle and the mouse.com. You can also find us on Twitter at needle and mouse and send us questions there. And if you'd like to subscribe, we're on iTunes and SoundCloud, I guess, and Tumblr, needle, I don't know, the needle and the mouse.com. We'll get you there. Thank you for listening. Bye. We'll see you later.